Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm a little nervous because I'm talking to two interrogators. Actually, I've got the privilege today to talk to Will and Marcella. They run the Oakley Group. They're realtors, and they used to be investigators and hostage negotiators. Both of you, welcome to the program. Well, thank thank you. Thank you very much. We're glad to be here. So the reason I'm really excited to talk to you is as uh, investigators, you see the world in a slightly different way. And you're really looking at being cops. And this is just my hypothesis is all about relationships. I was uh, talking to a straight state trooper. I was at some event and he was really nervous pacing back and forth. And that's kind of odd to see a cop doing that. So I go over to him and say, are you going on stage next? He goes, yep. (laughs) As we were chatting, he was saying that, you know, hey, when he went to interrogate someone, he went to no matter how bad that person was to build a relationship. And he said, as soon as I built the relationship, it just opened up whatever they wanted to say. So welcome to the program and tell me about what made you decide to go into law enforcement. Well, going into law enforcement was, uh, it just kind of happened. Um, Started off, we both started off in the sheriff's office and um, progressed into patrol and then finally into uh, detective world and hostage negotiation. So I'm going to Marcelo, so you were a sheriff and you had an idea of what negotiator was. What did you find was uh, in alignment with your thoughts and what was surprising when you actually ended up doing the job? The hostage negotiation part? Yes. So I actually um, didn't start as a hostage negotiator until I was a detective, um, which yes. Um, was some time after becoming a police officer. And I realized very quickly that um, the core to human behavior is understanding where people are coming from and their perception and listening. And I realized quickly that uh, if I adhered to the tools given to me that allowed me to do that, that I would get, um, I'd become successful in my negotiations and, um, and with my victims, the victims that I dealt with, and then also any suspects that we dealt with as well. And um, hostage negotiations uh, allowed, there was something about being able to do that and then getting, being taught more tools um, that allowed me to become even more successful as a detective, but then also um, gain experience in the hostage negotiation world that I'm, I'm really grateful for. I had a wonderful mentor. Brilliant. And what about you, Will? What was uh, surprising when you became a detective? It was a different world. It wasn't the, um, there, there was a lot of variety in the patrol world. In the detective world, you specialized a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. you, you honed your skills, uh, mainly your communication skills. Um, people start building their perceptions of you the very second they see you. And Absolutely. it could be from how you were your your clothes, your suit, your uniform, whatever the case is, to how you interact with somebody. Um, and the there were some very surprising times when I've always 
work to treat people right and treat yes. people with respect. And as Marcella was saying, listen to their perspective. And that it paid off in the working because I would have people say, I'm not going to talk to that officer, but I'll talk to this detective because he treated me right in jail. So there are, it came back to you if you treated him right. Brilliant. I, the state trooper, I'm not sure that was his rank. I'm sure he was a lieutenant or something more fancier. But the one thing he said, it was he would look at the suspect through that one-way glass and then go home and get changed. And if it was a banker wearing a suit, he'd come into that meeting wearing a suit. And if it was a trucker, he would wear jeans and boots. And he actually went to that little extra effort to connect. And the reason I, I brought this up, A, very interesting background, but B, we get so sophisticated in what we do, whether it's real estate or brain surgery or whatever, and we lose sight of that human connection. And going to brain surgeons, it turns out that if you're a doctor and you have really good bedside manner, you don't get sued. Even if you're atrocious and it's like, where's my watch? Wait a minute. As in, it's still inside the patient. But uh <laughs> And you can have a doctor that's fabulous, that you know technically is an expert, but if they don't have a good bedside manner, they get sued because people don't feel that connection. So you're taking this skill set and you brought it into real estate. How did you find that it was uh, helpful in connecting with potential clients uh, as they became customers and also uh, negotiating deals? So um, our business model is truly based on a referral system where we are building trust with our clients um, and we have put ourselves in a position of advocacy for them and um, understanding what um, the needs of uh, your client or the, you know, the other agent on the other side and their clients are really do help with the negotiations. And you may miss so much if you don't listen. So it's really important to slow down and and adhere to some of the skills that we learned as detectives um, to understand and listen to what's really happening in the negotiation. Brilliant. So it's a cliche to listen. So what techniques did you learn to actually allow you to listen more effectively? There are, there are several techniques. In, in law enforcement, you use um, read technique. Uh, you use a kinesic interviewing technique, which is a lot. Can you break those down to, for the listeners, like what that might be? Um, for instance, kinesic interviewing is you, when people tell their stories, mm -hmm. their body language will tell what actually happened while, yes. while their words don't always do that. It's, it's like asking the, you ask a five-year-old, did you take the cookie out of the cookie jar? And they're saying, no, they didn't. And their head is yeah. popping out. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's kinesic interviewing. Yes. Um, to a very basic, basic sense. Uh, so what they're saying and their body language, if it's out of alignment, you know something's wrong. You're not sure what it is, but you can probe to figure out what the disconnect is. Would that be a correct assessment? That would be correct assessment. Now, in, in real estate, we're not dealing with clients that are lying to us like we did in law enforcement. We're dealing with clients who don't, always communicate with each other as to what they want and don't necessarily communicate to us what they want. So we work with them to listen to them uh, to help them along their path. What I find sometimes is that people also lie to themselves. And I'll give you an example. It's like, you know, I really have to have this. And as you chat with them, why do you want to have this? And sometimes the answer is, 
I don't know. I just thought. And so just by asking questions and connecting and listening, sometimes you can give them the epiphany they want. So they actually get clarity on what they're thinking. Do you guys find that? Yes. Yes. I think there, so there are different tools that you can use to help you uh, work through why someone is think, feeling or thinking what they mm -hmm. are thinking. And um, especially nowadays when we do a lot of communication via email text message over the phone and now in zoom and in person when we can um i think it's important to ask the questions to dig deeper and allow them to communicate even more with you because you'll learn so much more if you just allow them to if you just dig deeper what's kind of interesting is you know i'm sure i'm going to send you some text messages and some of them are going to be you want to do what and just know it's autocorrect and i wasn't paying much attention <laughs> but the reason i bring it up by the way, have you ever come across uh, Damn You Autocorrect as a website? The most <laughs> funniest thing ever. It was like one of the uh, texts from there was a guy was coming out of the clinic as his mom had you know, texted him, you know, hi, honey. And he wrote back, you know, I'm just coming out of a clinic. But Autocorrect said, I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> mom responds back, honey, your dad and I always suspected we love you anyway. And he's like, what? But the reason I mention that is a lot of teenagers spend a lot of time stressing about what they're about to type in their texts because they want to make sure that it gets communicated clearly. And there's so much opportunity not to communicate clearly just in the written word. Whereas like you said, when I'm speaking, you see my body language and go, what he said and what he's looking like really light and airy. So he did, he's not being mean and it came out mean and it's like, Hey, what's going on? Whereas on a text, we don't have that luxury. It's just the words that are written. Yeah. Yes. It's also and not to add to that, but I think especially in a world right that we're living in right now where there are other factors, there are a lot of other things that are happening that don't typically happen that could affect someone's mood or what they're dealing with. It's important to, to just, learn more about where they're coming from and why. But let me also bring this a little bit into perspective. We talked about talking to a client and finding yes. out what they want. But on the other side, we deal with two sides of a transaction. When we have a buyer client, yes, we want to find out what the seller wants. This is negotiation. What does the seller need so that we can successfully win this contract? And, and that is, that is a big part of what we do and the negotiation. And from the second we pick up the phone, talking to the seller's agent, we are gathering information. What's interesting is I was actually eavesdropping on a realtor conversation with one of his clients and what the realtor was trying to communicate was it doesn't matter how much rebate you're giving back to the buyer. What matters is what's the net you take away. Right. But he didn't address that right up front in the conversation. He had a 15-minute conversation. Near the end is where he brought it up purposefully. Because had he brought it up too soon in the conversation, the client wouldn't have heard it. And they let them vent and get worked up about it. And then they finally went down there and said, you know, you're still going to walk away with $300,000 cash that you can use to buy a house in California. And I thought that was really interesting and masterful the way he did it. Because I would be the one, I know the answer. <laughs> And I would have given that right away. Uh, so how do you manage expectations? Because you know what the situation is, but sometimes you can't reveal it immediately because you want them to get it. So how do you gauge that? Generally, um, a good solid onboarding with our clients. Um, Did you say waterboarding? 
on yeah waterboarding yeah that, that's a little more effective yes <laughs> um, that, that, that's for confession now onboarding when we're, we're we're bringing a client in we tell them what to expect we we educate them um about the process and how things work and, and so set the expectations of what's going to happen yes absolutely Absolutely. Expectations have to be known. And um, sorry about that. I apologize. And they they have to be very clear. So how do you handle this? I find a lot of realtors don't do this well. It's, hey, when we get to this stage, you're going to freak out. All our clients do. But don't freak out because this is what's going to happen next. And it's almost giving them permission to do that and really expect it because, you know, these are the things that are going to happen, but we don't talk about their emotional response. Do you guys kind of get into that uh, as you're setting expectations? Absolutely. Uh, Nice. We tell them that, hey, this part's going to be stressful. It's going to be hard to be out of your house while people are traipsing through your home for a weekend. And yes. And then when, somebody gives you an offer you're going to feel like another offer may be better you know um so we set those expectations nice and if you ask people what they're concerned about they'll tell you and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're going to articulate that without you um needing to bring it up they're gonna they're usually aware of it and will articulate those stresses beforehand just something you said there is so important you know ask because maybe not in real estate transactions but if you take a look at family dynamics oftentimes you know aunt betty is gonna see it this way see it that way and they're all making up stories rather than say aunt betty how are you (laughs) gonna feel about this and then you can have that conversation rather than assume well it goes to our personal relationship too if i assume she's thinking x i'm gonna be wrong every time by virtue of being male but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to assume that. You have to ask. And if you don't ask, there's more of a chance of you being wrong. And But there's also something that happens when people articulate how they're feeling. They're able to um, deal with those emotions and, and exhale, essentially. And so absolutely. it really does help when you, when you are able to allow whoever it is that you're talking to to open up. Essentially. So one of my areas of expertise is applied neuroscience and neurolinguistics. And we do this really powerful exercise where we get, uh, Marcella, think about this situation that you're really angry about or frustrated about, and you're not going to change your mind because that's who you are. And you go, you have a death grip on it and say, yes, I believe uh, all dogs should be beaten or whatever that thing is. (laughs) And then we have, let's say 20 other people in the classroom and people suggest different ways of looking at it. You're not allowed to respond back to them. Just hear it. You don't have to agree with it. But what's really interesting is after you hear 10 different viewpoints, some that might agree with you, some not, that your hold on that reality changes just by listening to it. And that's not even reacting. And people can actually go, oh my God, I was so certain that gravity exists. And now all of a sudden, I'm not as sure. So it's kind of amazing just by doing that, just letting people vent out what they're thinking is enough to get them to relax about it a little bit. Because mm-hmm. if you try and tell them they're wrong, what happens is people grab onto it even tighter with a death grip. And if you just allow them to communicate, it opens up the world. 
And I'm more fascinated as to why they feel so strongly about it. That to me is more fascinating than just the way they feel about it. Why are you feeling that strongly about it? Yeah. So going back to negotiation, and you guys saw that movie, The Negotiator, right? Yes. And so just that scene where at the beginning of the movie, he's uh, negotiating between his daughter who's locked in the bathroom and his wife. And he's like, you know, that's the toughest part of the negotiation. Forget about the other guys. But when you're negotiating with someone, uh, let's say a client of yours, a client of yours is really, really steamed about what's happening, what the buyer is doing or what you're doing. From my worldview, if you respond in a calm voice to somebody that's really angry, that that's like throwing gasoline on the fire. That if you raise your voice, not to match theirs, but come up close and still be, you know, hey, I understand you. But instead of calm down, Marcella, we're here to help you. And if you're like really mad, it's going to make you much more angrier. Marcella, I know this is important to you. So tell me what's like, what are your thoughts on that? Should you kind of raise your voice and match them? Or should you be calm and, and try and convince them? So there's actually, you should, there's a, a book written by Chris Voss with the Black Swan Group. I've read it. Have you read it? I have. Negotiate as if your life depends on it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and there's, there's a part that talks about um, using your tone to assist in a negotiation. Mm -hmm. And so Really? Just kidding. Put the tone there. <laughs> I was just being funny. What you're referring to specifically is um, Chris Voss talks about the late night FM DJ voice when someone's yes. upset, bringing them down to a calmer state. So this is where I would disagree with Chris, although he's a master at it, that if you go in to return something to a store and they have wronged you several times, and you're just totally inconvenient. If you are go in there really, really angry, and they use that radio show voice, I guarantee 100%, 98% of people will frick out. <laughs> that's, because, that's because they get caught doing it. It's got to be to a certain level where, where it's not even noticed. So here's how you do it. From my worldview is let's say someone's steaming and they're talking really, really loud and really angry. You go up about 20% away from that 80% of their voice say, Oh my God, you look really upset. What's going on? Then slowly start bringing your voice down. And it's human nature to go into rapport. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, Oh, you're taking it seriously because you're speaking loudly. And then they'll follow you down where you need to go. And if you get somebody that speaks really softly, Speak softly and start increasing your volume and they will follow. You're about to say something, Marcella? So what I'm hearing you say is you are using your tone to get to grab their attention and engage yes. them. And then you're going to use your tone to allow them to comp follow to you. Follow yeah, essentially so so in a sales situation, absolutely in a sales situation, I might go into rapport with Will. And we're just gonna chatting about whatever we're chatting about, and I will be matching and mirroring Will. Mm -hmm. And when I think there's enough rapport and Will's got his fingers like uh, pressed against each other like a uh, Dr. Evil, and then I would be in the same pose and then I would just change my pose. Mm -hmm. And if Will follows me, I know there's trust and we can move forward into the sales conversation. But if I change my body posture and Will doesn't follow, then I know there's still a barrier in trust. So humans are fascinating. We are so hotwired to be in rapport with people. Sometimes when I have a workshop, I'll get people that have opposing views. 
somebody that says absolutely 100% abortion should be banned no matter what the reason, and they're not going to change their viewpoint. Then you get somebody that's totally the opposite. And I tell them to go into physical rapport, have a discussion around it, have an argument around it. And it's super hard for them to do that because you can't fight with somebody that's in rapport with you. Then I get two people that think the Baltimore Ravens are the best team ever. And I say, have that conversation. But Marcella, I want you to have a different body posture than Will as you're having this conversation. And you might be like this, Will is not. Your arms will force themselves to go into rapport. Humans are fascinating. Well, if we sat in this conversation and had a scowl on our face the whole time and arms crossed, we were going to make you uncomfortable in this conversation. We're not going to have open dialogue. Absolutely. And so what I would do in that case is hang up. No, what I would do in that case is, is to go into that same body posture and stay there for a little while and then slowly start winding it out. So tell me, you guys uh, are a small team right now. Are you looking to grow? Yes, we're always looking to improve um, in the market and have more presence in the market. And you do that through growth. We want the right people, though. We want people who can, we train negotiations in our team. We train communication. And um, we don't want a team of 30 people. We still want a small team. Like a nice five, 10 person team? Our mission, our mission statement to us is important. Um, and so we definitely want to work with a team, have a team that believes in um, the same things that we believe in, has, that has the same goals that we have, and that feels like we can grow together. So um, growing is definitely important. Growing the right way is even more important to us. Brilliant. Guys, it was a fascinating conversation, and uh, thanks so much for spending time with me. Well, thank you. Absolutely. You're fascinating. Thank this you. Is an honor. I appreciate it. We both do. We appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.